Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, Start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The volume. The Colin Cowherd podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. All right, it's President's Day. It's Monday. What do you think? I'm taking it off. I only take Super Bowl week off. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Joe Buck is um, a contemporary, but in my opinion, he's the voice of my generation. He's humble and won't admit it, but um, as I said to Troy Aikman recently, he's the only guy I go into a room with. I get a little nervous. I want to be very respectful to Joe. I listen, I listen to his dad growing up. Uh, Joe doesn't know this, but years ago, I was a um, out of college, I was a AAA baseball announcer, and I would get all the media guides from minor league teams. And there was this one kid named Joe Buck, because I got a job out of college doing one inning of play-by-play in Vegas, and you were in, I think, Louisville. And I'm like, oh, he thinks he's going to beat me to the bigs. It's not going to happen. So I was competing against you. I was 21 years old at Eastern Washington University. Um, I want to start with this because I had a recent health scare and uh, they can't quite figure it out. Uh, I had a little um, pulmonary embolism and it was unprovoked, meaning I wasn't pregnant. It wasn't a flying issue. I don't have clots in my family. Um, it wasn't immobility. And I thought to myself, you know, I fly a little bit. So earlier this year, I want to read our audience this, Joe. This was your schedule. Sunday, Bucks Packers. Monday's Bills Chiefs. 
Tuesday, World Series Game 1. Wednesday, World Series Game 2. Thursday, Giants-Eagles. Friday, World Series Game 3. Saturday, World Series Game 4. Are there times you have to perform at the highest level and you are exhausted? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, I have so many things I want to say about the beginning of this podcast. First of all, I read about that, and that's scary with you. Um, and I, I'm sure you'll be able to get to the bottom of it eventually. Uh, as far as you looking at other media guides, I, at no point was I thinking I was going to beat anybody to the big leagues. I was somebody's <laughs> son. I was Jack Buck's son. So – uh, I had a leg up or two legs up on everybody else as I was like the second banana in Louisville behind a guy who I love like a brother, Jim Kelch, who did not have to be as welcoming to me, a guy who worked his way up to AAA, and there I was being inserted at AAA, and I was 19 years old, and he and his wife and his little kids kind of took me in uh, as a de facto member of the family, um, and I, I don't feel like I'm a, a voice of the generation. I feel like I'm blended in behind a couple of guys that uh, have been doing it a lot longer than I have. And I was just the luckiest guy in the world. Have I done games exhausted? Yes. I remember in 96, I was 27. And this just shows you how it all started. I was 27 and I was broadcasting the World Series at Yankee Stadium and Game one gets rained out, and so we missed the travel day. Game one ended up the next day, and so there was no travel day. We traveled all night. I got to Atlanta, and I'd never had a cup of coffee in my life. And I was like, man, I hope I don't go on the air tired. And I was exhausted because I didn't sleep. I was nervous, and we flew overnight. And I tried coffee for the first time, and now I can't function without 28 cups a day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm tired, but once they kick it off or they throw the first pitch – that goes out the window and I'll sleep on the plane or I'll, I'll sleep during the morning and, uh, and go do the game. I mean, there's nothing that brings somebody to life or at least me to life like doing a big league event. And if the day ever comes where I roll into that booth and that day's event doesn't wake me up no matter how tired I've been, um, then it's time to quit. So I, the tiredness goes away. And uh, you just focus in on what you're doing. Joe Buck joining us, Colin Coward Podcast. So, you know, I, I told Troy this. I said, every broadcast uh, partnership has a different feel. Um, regardless of who is the analyst, Al Michaels always feels like he's leading the broadcast. Um, Tony Romo is the energizer to Nance. You and Aikman are different. You sound like college buddies. You sound like you both have a small glass of bourbon that you sip occasionally during the game, and it's an incredibly comfortable experience for me as a consumer. And I'll ask you what I asked Troy. How long did it take to curate that? Oh, it took it took longer for Troy and me, Troy and yeah, me, to get there than it took Smoltz and I to get there. And and I'll say this we have had that glass of bourbon in the booth, uh, although it's not bourbon. It's tequila, <laughs> splash of Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. Uh, I went through a couple years where in the first inning of every postseason baseball game, I had the runner go get the biggest beer that the stadium sold, and I had it sitting there, and I would sip it 
from time to time to remind myself to relax and have fun. I'm just doing a game. And I did that. I brought that over to football, but because Troy is a man of finer tastes, beer uh, <laughs> somehow became tequila, Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. We haven't done it in a long time now, uh, but it was good for a stretch. And I feel like it's a good mental trigger to just chill and remind yourself that you're not refueling an F-16 in mid-flight. You're doing a sporting event. And if you treat it like anything other than that, you're doing yourself a disservice. So um, I'm glad you say that. I agree with what you say about Al. I think Al leads. Chris is a strong personality. Yes. A, a great compliment to Al. But Al has a lot of room. I, I try to use the littlest amount of room I can to leave the most amount of space between plays or after a play for Troy. And uh, it works. And and I'm there to support him. He's there to listen and support me. And that's a legitimate friendship that I'm glad comes across because we have it. We text each other. And Aaron Andrews uh, is part of it. We text each other all week. And uh, we text each other during the offseason. We are legitimate friends. And I would consider him one of my three or four best friends in the world. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I have that with somebody that I'm in that high pressure of a situation with. Um, you've been in, uh, you've been on so many big games. When do you get the feeling in a game? You probably got this with that Cubs world series that you're in a game and maybe you turn to Smoltz or Aikman and you're like, this is one for the ages. This is our best game of the year. Um, that's gotta be an electric goosebump feeling. There's not a lot of those Joes. I did, I did play by play for a couple of years. You get about four a year. But, I mean, maybe take me to the last one. Take me to my memorable, uh, a memorable yeah, one. Yeah, I think, you know, in football, it doesn't happen like it does in baseball, for whatever reason, at least to me. I, I think in football, I remember having that feeling the second Super Bowl we did, which was Super Bowl Forty Two, the Giants and the Patriots, with the Patriots going for 19-0 and and the Giants in this out-of-nowhere postseason by Eli – and that game was going back and forth in the fourth quarter. And it was like, man, you, you almost – we went to commercial and Troy and I are looking at each other almost like you don't want to talk to somebody during a no-hitter because you just know the audience is beyond your comprehension. The stakes are at their highest in our profession. And you don't want to mess it up. And and it was like my heart was in my throat, not just because I was – not because I was worried about it, but because the game was that good. And you're right. I mean – the Red Sox, Yankees, uh, that those two LCSs in 03 and 04, and then the Red Sox coming back in 04 and just blowing the Cardinals out of the stadium in 04, but knowing that it had been 86 years and nobody had ever screamed on TV that the Red Sox were world champions, that to me is like, damn, don't mess this up. And when the Cubs came around and they hadn't won in 108 years, they had the game seven lead, blew the lead, uh, now we're going to extra innings. You get done with the ninth inning, and you look. I looked at John, and John looked at me, and it's like we have history on our hands here. And not only did we get seven games, you don't know it could be a four-game sweep, but now we're getting extra innings of Game Seven, and that was uh, that was as intense a moment as I've ever been in in a baseball booth. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, there are times where the moment. You almost it's almost like when a 
server sets a plate down and they go, our, our plates are really hot. Don't touch it. Well, I go, well, let's see how hot, really hot is to you. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> or, you know, the Poseidon adventure and Ernest Borgnine, they're climbing a ladder. Don't look down. The, the first thing I would do is look down and probably fall into a boiling cauldron of water uh, and die uh, at the base of the Poseidon. Uh, the Poseidon. So you almost have to trick yourself into not getting swallowed up by the moment. And then you think about it after the fact. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play, absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcomes of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA InPlay, so the action is always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is easy to use. It takes less than two minutes to sign up. I did it to breeze. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA InPlay is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in play today. Joe Buck and the Colin Coward podcast. The um, So you were 25 when you got your first slate of games for Fox. I think Costas was like 28, uh, which I always thought was remarkable. I, at that point, um, I'd, I knew both of you. Um, he was hosting more than doing play. I think he did play-by-play at Missouri at 27-28. You got a full slate of games. And who was your partner the first year? Tim Green. Um, who Smart guy. Smart guy. And battling ALS and is a hero to so many. I mean, the guy was top of his class at Syracuse, was a first-round pick by Atlanta, smallish defensive end, just played and, and succeeded on grit. Uh, and then while we started, when we started in 94, he was getting his law degree. Uh, he passed the bar, and he has since written like 20 novels, uh, <laughs> fictional novels about sports, baseball, football, you name it. I mean, it's he's like Aikman in that there are more hours in their days than I have in mine. I just marvel at what they do. So, yeah, I mean, he was just off the field, had never broadcast anything. I was 25 going in as Jack Buck's son and had never broadcast football before. And Fox drops out of space in into the NFL, and they hire a bunch of young guys, and there I am at Soldier Field on opening day in 1994. Like, what in the hell am I doing here? And how am I going to get through the next three hours? And then you get through it, and, you know, you get better and better. Yeah, you know, the NFL is interesting. Um you know, I think baseball was always seen as the thinking man sport, more of a chess match than checkers. Uh, the NFL does one thing really, really well. They move off things. If something doesn't work, a rule, legislation, they, they move off it. Uh, replay. Uh, baseball, which has this sort of uh, cerebral essence, sometimes can be the rigidity inside the sport can drive me crazy. It's like, 162 games. Can we scale back to 120? Um, you've at times voiced, you know, concern about that, but I think it's the reality of what the sport is. Uh, I think both did really well in the pandemic. When when you broadcast a game for Fox, whether it's baseball or the NFL, um, 
have there ever been moments that um, I think they would almost always stay out of it. But you guys are opinionated. You and Aikman have opinions. Uh, the last two years have been dicey on, on the social front for broadcasters. A lot of opinion people get in trouble. Have you felt over the last year uh, an eggshell moment or a in either sport? Um, I got to watch where I step here. Do you ever feel that? Yeah, because it's hard to talk about really complex social issues that affect a lot of people and people feel really passionate about in and around play-by-play of a baseball game or a football game. It, it's almost it, it's almost impossible to do. So whether it's Colin Kaepernick kneeling years ago or coming into this season, coming off everything that's happened in 2020, uh, or in baseball, you know, if you want to bring it down to what you talked about with regard to the game. And, and I think some of where baseball is, is losing its audience, um, you have to really be careful and almost map out exactly where you're going to go verbally so you don't yeah. mess it up. Because Yeah, I do the same you, thing. You feel the, the, the constraints and the, the pressure of time. Like, we're coming back from break. And obviously Fox or any network is squeezing every minute, second, nanosecond they can get out of a commercial break to maximize what they can make. So you're up against it going to break and up against it coming out of break. And so it's like, I don't have a lot of time here to go into something that's really affecting a lot of people's lives and people feel really passionate about. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to try to be smart about what I say present both sides of the argument, and then go back to doing what I'm paid to do. Otherwise, if you start fumbling for words and stumbling around, I, I just think good luck because you're, you're probably going to say the wrong thing most of the time unintentionally, but you know all those filters have to be put into place, and uh, it, it's a high-wire act more now than it's ever been. So in my space, it's easier than it's ever been. You used to have to read a bunch of newspapers, uh, wait for the AP wire, um, talk about every sport. And then about 15 years ago, um, I stopped talking about tennis or regular season baseball much. Um, I never felt a need to talk about hockey playoffs because of NHL TV, Major League Baseball TV, tennis channel, golf channel. So it allowed me to do a 65% football show, 20% college football show, 25% NBA. So I don't feel like I'm a newspaper anymore, which I did when I started in this business 25 years ago. So the job is easier. I have to be really good on the NFL, know the top college football, top NBA stories, and then a big fight, a big golf event, which I like anyway. Is your job harder or easier today? I think it's harder. It's more dangerous. You know, like I want to come on your podcast and I want to be entertaining. I want to be funny. I want to be as loose as I can be. But you can get into a lot of trouble these days <laughs> trying to be, to use the Tom Cruise word, glib. And and you can really get into a lot of trouble. And, and Troy and I talked about this way back in the day when Chris Troy and I were together it's almost like, why do I, unless this show is called the Joe Buck show, and even then, 
you're hesitant because you can cost yourself a career. Um, but in la- I'm not going to go on Poughkeepsie All Sports Radio and just lay it all out there and be a an asshole and and just and and try to be the funniest guy in the room because then that gets sold up the line and then I'll, I might as well have said what I'm saying on there is no more small radio appearance that you're going to go on if you say something dumb enough or uh, something that's pushing it as far as you can push it or some controversial take that can you believe Joe Buck just said this it's going everywhere. So it, you so and where's the what's the positive? Why, why do I want to deal with every all the fallout that's going to come out of me probably trying to be a smartass instead of being real or being making some real serious point? It's just not worth it. So for that, you know, doing live sports on TV with that microphone in front of your face. I mean, I still have people talking to me about the Randy Moss moment. And when I said that's disgusting, when he fake mooned the crowd and then rubbed his backside against the goalpost. And, you know, that was, I think, 2004 or something like that. And and that, other than that, you know, it's like, you want to dip your toe into that water? Good luck. Uh, and and it's the fallout and the, the aftermath is just not worth the actual moment in time when you're trying to be funny so i think it's way harder now than it's ever been the the, and sorry to keep going but i you think about my dad's career harry carey's career bob prince's career these guys that i mean i don't know that my dad had any filters if he did he got the benefit of the doubt broadcasting for the cardinals all those years because he, he knew so many people was out people knew he had a good heart he was raising money it wasn't taken in a way that was so everybody's ready to be offended but Man, until this country takes a breath and, and, and has a big old timeout and everybody can reset, which I don't know when, where, or how that's going to happen, I'll just do, stay in my lane and do my job and, and talk to my wife at night. Yeah. You know, it's, I'll get personal. So my favorite night is Ann and I go out, cocktails. Um, sometimes it's in Park City. We have a little place there. Cocktails, dinner and turn music on and just especially 70s 80s really bad music and listen to it and it really gets us emotional it takes us back to you know simpler times she grew up in uh, uh Birmingham Michigan I grew up on the coast of Washington very small wet town and uh those were great nights for us we just the kids were out of the house we're staring at the mountains what is a great night for Joe Buck what is a perfect night for Joe Buck I mean that it's not too different I think I could be married to Ann um, and you could be married. She'll to call Michelle. you out in your shit, we'll, man. She calls you calls me out on mine. We'll, we'll do the uh, we'll do the <laughs> the Yankees wife swap thing. Not in that sense, but you know, see if if you can entertain Michelle, like, uh, and I can entertain Ann. So it's not it's not any different. I mean, we are we are really, uh, and thank God, we are really quiet people. And I and I and I understand. You know, when I look back on. You know why Letterman became a hermit, or that's what you heard about Johnny Carson, or we yeah. Michelle and I last night. You know, you open up a bottle of wine, which before Michelle, who I married uh, in 2014, uh, before that, before her, I was like a beer guy, vodka guy. Now it's wine. It's got to be wine, and now I'm like one of those guys that I used to just d- d- detest. You know, just <laughs> like talking about how great. 
can't stand that, but now I'm that person. But opening that up, we watched the Britney Spears documentary last night and talked about a lot of it. It's long. It's that pack of lunch on that thing. And the points driven home about 7,000 times in that documentary. But just sitting around on our couch, the boys, we have two and a half year old twins. Once it's finally quiet in their room and and you have that like exhale moment, um, just being together, watching something, listening to something, she and I, I mean, she's a dancer. So, I mean, if, if I really want to have a shot, uh, <laughs> I, I will dance with her in, in our bedroom and then, you know, <laughs> the odds go up. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, that's what we do. It's not any different, but we'd like to go out, like to go out to dinner, but yeah. we're not like bar hopping and going to clubs and all that. I have no time really for any of that stuff. Go to a good place for dinner, have a great meal, great couple drinks go home and and just be together yeah that's my that's my night too so you don't talk about politics you can't i can a little i'm a pretty independent guy lean left socially pretty moderate fiscally um you know i was not a fan of trump i too much anxiety for me i'm more of a peacemaker guy than (laughs) i I got so tired of I'm, i'm everything you just said is is really who i am too and i know you're you're about to make a point but it just was day after day of oh. when, when you'd wake up and it was like another uh, thing shot across my phone. I'm like, I'm just not wired for the intensity <laughs> that's coming my way every day. So I don't get into politics. I, I don't, I see both sides of it. I, I marvel as I'm sure you do at the coverage of the same incident or the same law or the same candidate and, and looking at different presentations of these things from the different television networks, I just, it's fascinating to me. So I'm, I'm more of like an observer than I am anything else. But, but go ahead, finish your point. Well, my question was, I'm able to dabble in it two minutes a week. Um, so you don't have a moment because you're restricted by the broadcast. You don't have that moment driving home thinking, you know, I'd love to take a shot at this politician or have an opinion on this. No. You don't miss that. That's no, I don't. I I just don't. Again, I mean, for the fallout that'll come after it, if you if you made right, you know, the, it it's just it's it speaks to everything that I think is is wrong about where we are socially, where people can't disagree, and and if if you say something that more people disagree with and are loud about you may find yourself on the outside looking in at your old job. And, and I, and that's, that's a scary place to be. So I, that my mind doesn't even go there. So I'm I'm not a, I'm not a hyperventilating guy that's worried about stuff day to day. That's why I say that with my phone, it was just like, I got another thing happen or another, you know, change. And I, I just, it just becomes too much for me. So I, a lot, I, I'm really good at compartmentalizing and I'm, I'm good at just shoving that out over here and letting that live over there. And whoever ends up getting elected, I'll, I'll root for him because uh, at my core, I'm, I'm an American and, and that's the kind of stuff I learned from my dad. Yeah. So my wife about 10 years ago said, Hey, you got to figure out some tech because our kids are going to get on it. And you don't want to get blindsided. So I'm on Facebook and I, you know, I, I Instagram and I monitor my daughter, blah, blah, blah. So your kids are, you know, your two year olds are still a few years away from TikTok. But how techy is Joe Buck? What do you get? Really what do not. you do? 
Yeah, I mean, but I have 24 and 21 year old daughters too. I once I knew that them being pushed out of the nest that they that they were smart and knew, you know, I grew up in a small town, St. Louis with a, a certainly a locally famous dad. Um and I knew that eyes were on us. I knew that eyes were on us when we walked into a restaurant. I knew that eyes were on me if I was at a party in high school. I knew that if I was the in a car full of kids that got pulled over for underage possession of alcohol, it was going to be my name and the others behind uh, my name because it was my dad. Um, and so I grew up that way. And my daughters have had to deal with that. And I feel like they've been really smart on social media. And now that I don't worry about that anymore with them, um, and, and I've kind of gotten away from it a little bit. When I took Instagram off my phone, it was a really nice moment. Now I'm on Instagram, but I have people that I pay to put stuff up on Instagram. If I feel like my wife, Michelle Beisner, did a thing on ESPN on the relationship of Pat and Marty Schottenheimer that, that I posted last night because I'm so proud of it, because it just speaks to everything. My grandfather had Alzheimer's. My grand That's the one that played for the Chicago Bears. I don't know if it was dementia brought on, you know, CTE before they knew what CTE was, or if he just had Alzheimer's. And to watch Pat and Marty, and Pat just watch out for Marty, and the love between those two, like, that, that, was, that was really special. So I got on, and I put that up on Twitter. But otherwise... The the less I'm on that stuff, the less I'm even aware of it. That the happier I feel like I I am. So you're still based in St. Louis, right? Yes. And you could live anywhere. Yes. And and the the answer to your question is, at some point, every grain of sand will fall out of the top of the hourglass, and my wife Michelle, who's from Denver, and then lived in L.A. Uh, while she worked at NFL Network and transitioned to ESPN is going to want to get out of here for at least a, a chunk of the year because I am staring out above my computer screen at like uh, parts of Moscow outside my window. <laughs> it, it is 20. There's snow on the ground. It's gray. Uh, and there are better, warmer places this time of year. So at some point, we will find better, warmer climates to at least uh, be a – be there in what is this february 10th yeah it's funny everybody always bangs on la i get it it's expensive the taxes are brutal but i went for an hour walk this morning and it was like sunny and i could hear the beach man <laughs> i always say i'm like people come on I, the, the t listen i'm not i'm not a tax gypsy every place i've lived has taxes and I, my wife always says it she says la is expensive So's filet mignon, right? So's Mercedes Benz. <laughs> like right. nice stuff costs money. Yeah. So I, I always, I always defend LA, and, and you should. And and I, you know, but we all, we both have friends that are getting tired of Los Angeles these days, yeah. and and it's a real thing with people leaving there. But every time, for every one of those stories, I, I have another one of these gray days, and I'm like, there's that that's the number one thing that my wife Michelle is just like if we could just get outside with the boys I mean if it's just two and a half years old wanting to run around wanting to get fresh sure. air wanting and it is freezing outside right now in the Midwest so I love it I love the slow life the quiet life the easy to get around 
the you know there's great restaurants here great hospitals great schools and it's easy in and out for me and and there's a there's a value for that uh that that i enjoy but the weather is is a big deal with these kids and um um we're we're getting pulled for sure yeah no i totally get that so you don't get a lot of breaks but now is sort of the time it feels to me like you got about 45 days of Joe Buck living his best life with yeah. his kids and Michelle. So what would what would Joe Buck do for the next 45? Well, I feel like we wake up at and and people have way harder lives than than we do, certainly than I do. Um but but it is full on now, like payback time for being gone as much as I'm gone with the aforementioned calendar. So I'm get up in the morning and it's like what can we do to get to nap time? And then it's after nap time. What can we do to get to that moment when the room's quiet and Michelle and I are on the couch watching something, uh, splitting a bottle of wine. And so we're, there's not a whole hell of a lot going on around here and we're in a pandemic. So, uh, we have a nanny who we love. Um, my sister's here, my mom's here, which is, those are two big reasons why I'm still here. Uh, and, and so we're around the house trying to read, trying to read an Ayn Rand book, which I, I will be 90 and one foot in the grave, Lord willing, by the time I get halfway through this thing. It's <laughs> unreal. But I'm trying to just slow down, uh, enjoy myself, enjoy the quiet when there is quiet. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I got in trouble with you a long time ago when I... I flippantly said when you said you know are you watching the west coast games on mlb network every night watching major league baseball and I, and at that time i was a young dad with two daughters and i was like no i mean we're what yeah I, I know what's going on i can read but no i'm not up all night watching west coast games i'm raising daughters my wife and i are going to watch the bachelorette or whatever it is and people freaked out that that i'm just not 24 7 baseball and and so i i try to get away from it for my own sanity and and contrary to everything i've said in this podcast to this point i really don't care if somebody has an opinion on me not immersing myself in baseball every day i i have to do more than that for my own mind's health yeah i always say like sports love my life um yeah i mean that's kind of my world view on it so I want to ask a couple of intense sports questions. You do these pre-prod meetings. You do them on probably Friday, Saturday, where you sit down with a Belichick or a Brady before games. Um, wh when's the last time that you and Troy were actually in that meeting and you walked out of the meeting, both teams, and you felt like, wow, one team really has an advantage here? Like you really sensed the meeting felt substantially more concrete. You really you had you had a you had a not an epiphany, but a strong feeling about those pre-prod meetings of which you've done a thousand. Yeah. Um the one that sticks out to me forever is when Seattle was playing Denver in that Super Bowl. And my yep. wife was a former Broncos cheerleader prior to her uh transition into the media side of things and she is all denver broncos i mean it's peyton manning it's uh it was russell wilson's what second year in the league and that was a legion of boom 
And when we talked to, first we talked to Seattle. Yeah, we talked to Seattle first, and we were going to talk just to Earl Thomas. And they said, no, they want to do it all together. And they all sat in there, and Cam Chancellor looked like he wanted to take my head off four <laughs> days before the Super Bowl started. And Richard, I mean, think about that group. Uh and and Earl Thomas and everybody else that was in that whole, the room was full, and I've never seen a look in the eyes of a group of people that were like, "There is no chance in hell we are going to lose this game." And I went back to the room. My wife was with me at the time, and I and I said, "Babe, I got bad news for you. Your Broncos have no shot." And <laughs> doing a Super Bowl for a hundred million people, and the first friggin' snap from center went over the head of Peyton Manning and it was on. And then, you know, it was a route in the first half and Troy and I are trying to justify it at halftime and like, okay, this is going to, cause it's, it's intense. You're like, my God, nobody's going to watch this thing. Or what are we going to do? We have nothing. The game's terrible. And we're like, okay, it's Peyton Manning for God's sake. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. And then they kick off to Seattle to open the second half, and Percy Harvin runs it back for a touchdown. <laughs> and I like threw my pen down. That that is the one thing that we are all guilty of. Everybody always says, "Oh, you hate my team. You suck. You hate the Cardinals." People in St. Louis think I hate the Cardinals because you're not doing it from either side's perspective. But all we're ever guilty of rooting for is just a good game. I don't care who wins. Yeah, I just yeah. want to exciting until the end and then may the better team win and when you're doing a game of that magnitude and the thing has absolutely no drama it it is really that's when the job is hard you put it off long enough it's time to replace your tires tire rack has tires that will elevate your drive touring tires for commuter comfort performance tires for sporty handling all-terrain tires for on and off road adventure Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. 
and now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All the times you've met. Now, again, you're, you're NFC. You didn't get Brady a lot. Um, you got a lot of Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Of all the great quarterbacks you get, who's the most honest? Who, who, who's the most piercing? Who do you feel you get? When he talks, you watch the game, and he laid it out for you. Three guys. Uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and it's become Tom Brady, and 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 you're right. We, I personally, I don't know. I I've been in a room with Tom Brady maybe three times, four times. We, we I, I think Dan said the other night he's doing his 100th Tom Brady game. <laughs> I, I haven't done ten. I bet. Or if I did, if I've done ten, seven of them came in 2020. So because he's in the AFC, and I don't know that people totally get the idea that Fox has NFC, CBS has had AFC, but. Uh, we just haven't had him a lot, but he is really, really honest. I think a lot of these guys, and and, and they're the three best that I think I've ever talked to, um, but they're all pretty good. I feel like they all treat it like therapy. They know what they say in there is not going to come back and bite them because we're smart enough to to know what they once said and what they don't. And what they don't once said they're saying it for a reason, but you also can file it away and say, okay, this is why this happened. This is why Favre is not throwing to Antonio Freeman today. This is why, it, but you can't come out and say, you know, he doesn't think Freeman's running great because he's got a bad hamstring or whatever it is. But by the ha- halftime, you're like, man, Antonio Freeman's got two catches. What's going on? Well, we know. 
but you can't say it. But but it's it's that kind of trust that you've built up over 20 plus years that they know they're not going to be embarrassed by something they say in there and they treat it like they're on the couch and they can gripe and they want to hear Troy's opinion on what they're dealing with from either quarterback down the chain to players or quarterback up the chain to coordinator and head coach. And it's fascinating to listen to. Most of it you can't use, but it's definitely helpful. When's the last game you did? And it doesn't have to be significant. But it was just three and a half hours of fun. Whether it's Smoltz or Aikman, you found yourself laughing. It was weird. It didn't make sense. It could have been a bit of a hot mess. And you did a game and you literally left and put the headset down and thought, that's why I got in the business. That was great. We did an extra inning game in this last NLCS between Atlanta and the Dodgers. Uh, I don't know what game it was. I could dig my scorebook out right now, but we were, I was like off, I was out of my mind and I was doing like a Wolf Blitzer impersonation. <laughs> and, and I, and I kept going back to Wolf Blitzer who clearly was not in the booth, but I was doing this voice of Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> and it was, it was John brought up something that CNN was going to do a story on back in his days in Atlanta with the Braves. And I, you know, brought up some stupid example of Wolf Blitzer and just kept going back to it. And we were just giddy. And I think it was just, you're at the end of this run and you're in a neutral site and it was extra innings. And it was just like, I, I got off the head, put the headset down. I remember telling our producer, Pete Macheska, and John, I was like, that felt like local baseball. That felt like how yeah. I started, where I yep. would just say whatever came to mind, and I'd have friends who would text me words. I'd bet them 50 bucks that I could get the word in the broadcast. And <laughs> they're like, you can't get octopus in the broadcast. And I'm trying to think of some way to get it in. And at that point, there was so little integrity in what I was doing. I would just be like... And so at the end of four, it's the Cardinals six, the Pirates five, Octopus. I didn't even try to work it in. It was like, set it, give me your 50 bucks. And, and that, that's the beauty of local baseball, at least back then it was. And, and that game between the Braves and the Dodgers, by the end of it, I, I, was, I, I felt like you better just stop because you're going you're gonna to go too far here. By the way, how about the Dodgers picking up Trevor Bauer? I, it's funny. So you go Bueller to Trevor Bauer to Kershaw, David Price. I think one through eight. Arias is pretty good. As, yeah. It's one through eight. It's about as substantial a batting order as we've had since great Yankee teams. I said this on the air the other day. I said it has a chance if the bullpen is moderate to be the best baseball team we have had. Now, and you're an expert on this, but they are stacked. I mean, it's incredible right now. And they don't have a ton of money committed uh, in the next seven, eight years. It's not like that's why they could pay uh, Bauer forty million, whatever the number is for year one. And and they can, I mean, bets. Yeah, that's that's how they sign Mookie Betts. They they don't have a lot of deals that are like uh, going to strangle them in the near future. Uh, and. You know, Dave Roberts is one of the great guys in the game. I mean, there is just almost – it's almost an embarrassment of riches. There, It's almost too much. And and you, they always say you can never have too much pitching. 
But I would say that of all those guys, at least going off this last October, the guy who has the best – now, Bueller I love. But the guy who has the best stuff, who's got the most confidence, who I would say go out there in any role, closer, setup, starter, game seven, don't is Urias. I mean, his stuff is stunning. And and more than Bauer, more than any of them. So I, I they are I agree with you. I mean, we haven't seen a team like this with this kind of pitching. It's gonna be interesting interesting to see how it plays out. You know, it's, Joe, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I'm a believer in analytics, but I, uh, what I reference on my show often is manalytics, where it's analytics, but without turning alpha males into no, uh, numbers and code, uh, that you understand there are moments that you just let man, you're going to make a decision based on, I trust this guy. Right. And it may not be analytically great, but I trust the guy. I got to fly with him. I got to be in a plane with him. I got to be in a locker room. So, how about this part of it? How about this part of it? I've been on the plane with him. I've been in the locker room with him. I've been in the hotel bar with him the night before. I know that he's in a horrible disagreement with his significant other. I know that he stayed at the bar too late last night. Not everything fits into an equation. That it's it's absurd. Analytics has its place. There is no doubt about it. But if you take the ability for a manager to look into somebody's eyes and determine if that person is fit or not to go out there and win that inning or that at bat or that game, if that manager doesn't have that freedom, I think you've completely missed the point of what sports is all about. Whatever the analytics said Derek Jeter was defensively at shortstop, if the bases are loaded in the mid-90s, early 2000s, ninth inning, game seven, and somebody hits a bullet at one of the infielders, who do you think, of the four guys standing out there, who do you think is the one guy saying, God, I hope he hits it to me? It's Jeter. I don't care what his analytics, what the numbers say, that his range is. And, and that's how it is. These pitching changes are being made at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the game unfolds. And you're in the seventh inning, and the guy's mowing people down, and all of a sudden he's coming out. I mean that that stuff drives me crazy because you're taking yeah. the human element out of the game. There's no doubt there's a there's a spot for analytics. It's a way to quantify things, but but quantifying somebody's heart, quantifying somebody's uh, confidence, quantifying somebody's amount of rest that day, no matter what the numbers say, man, if you're going to throw all that out just to look at numbers, good luck. Hey, you have a podcast. It's uh, if, if I recall, it's Oliver Hudson. You, you talk about uh, daddy issues. Yeah. I am at, Oh boy. That's a, uh, listen, I, I got six kids. I would love to give you great advice, but shit, I'm making it up every day. I don't even know. <laughs> well, what I'm we doing. all are. My daddy issues are all from kind of the good side of it. Because I idolized my dad. He was my best friend. I followed him into the business. Oliver's dad walked out on Goldie Hawn and Kate Hudson and Oliver when Oliver was six or eight years old. And then Kurt Russell came into their lives. And, and he's he's everything you think he would be as a person and, and to Oliver as a dad. Um, taught him everything he knows. But he's got, you know, why did my dad walk out? real daddy issues and everybody we've talked to 
from Barkley to Vetter to Sandler to Spade to, you know, that kind of a list of people having that through line. And, and sometimes it's my dad was my best friend. And sometimes it's I couldn't stand my dad. Uh, and here's why that that's been the fun part of it for us. And, and since Oliver and I come at it from different perspectives, it's been worthwhile. So it's been it's been good. I saw your dad MC an event in San Diego, if I recall, the baseball winter meetings. He was a sensational. You are equally sensational as a, a moderator and a host. Your dad was really set the table for yep. it. He was laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And I imagine you went to a lot of those. Oh, my God. I mean, those are my favorite times. And And again, I got in trouble for this when I wrote my book because I, I pointed out how it was just a different time. And I'm not saying it was better then. I'm not saying it was worse then. I'm just saying it was different. So I remember as as a young announcer being with the Cardinals, they were the Cardinals have two events that the players, I don't know if it's in their contract or what, but they have to go to these two banquets every year. It was called the Knights of the Cauliflower Ear, and they had a breakfast, and it was – Eight o'clock in the morning, and these players are staggering in, bleary-eyed. <laughs> Team got in from Houston the night before, and my dad gets up there and says, uh, pardon me, folks, uh, we're having a little bit of a rough morning. It was a late night last night, late in Houston. Team lost 6-4, to four, as I'm sure most of you know. Our plane landed at midnight. We were in the arms of our loved ones at 1.30 in the morning and home with our wives at 6. And that, and like the place went nuts. And now I think of, if I said that in 2021, I, even though it's a complete joke and like a Shecky Green thing, uh, you know, like, take my wife, please. Like the, like we're in the borscht belt or something. I... <laughs> I don't know. It's not anything that I would say. So that, I mean, that was the kind of humor that he would do, especially in a closed room. And I saw that stuff uh, with no cell phones and no, before all that stuff. So if you were there, you had stories for days. If you weren't there, you weren't seeing like somebody sneaking under the table at table 19, uh, shooting a video of Jack Buck saying something, that probably would upset some folks. So just a different time. Yeah, I remember it well. He had a lot of those sort of stories and lines. Um, yeah, Peter Ubroth was the commissioner. I had just gotten out of college, and Jack Buck was hired to MC an event, and he was hysterical. I mean, it was, you know, it's funny. There's, I was, not to bore you, when I got out of college, I wanted to be a triple A, AAA, I wanted to be a baseball announcer. And I moved to Las Vegas. I got a job doing one inning of play-by-play -play for the Las Vegas Stars and selling ads. And it was a big jump. I went, you know, from college, a tape, to AAA. And I jumped over a lot of more talented guys. And a lot of the guys that were in the PCL are now in the big leagues. They're, you know, real competent guys. And uh, I remember one of the things, a local station had Vin Scully. Uh, KDW, uh, KDWN, KDON had Vin Scully. So I'd never, I'd heard Scully bits and pieces, but now I listen to him every day. And Vin was so good, he was discouraging. Yeah. And I remember listening to him thinking, well, that's Shakespeare, right? I can't do that. Um, your dad had a similar ability, and I remember it in San Diego. He was so comfortable 
talking. I've never been completely comfortable. I have to prep a lot. Um, that's when I think of your dad. I almost think of like he just talked and then they sat him down in a game and he kept talking yeah, well, in the conversation. To, to a degree. <laughs> I mean, I think when he first got to St. Louis and he was working with Harry Carey and Joe Garagiola, I mean, that was an unbelievable broadcast booth. Um he, he did every speaking event he could get his hands on in the city. And he said he was so nervous. I mean, he grew up Holyoke, Massachusetts. And then outside of Cleveland was a depression era kid shot in world war two, only went to Ohio state because of the GI bill. I mean, he came from zero and now he's standing in front of big crowds in a major league city. And he said his knees were shaking and he had to hold on to the podium so tightly because he was so, he was shaking. And he didn't want anybody to see it. And for a guy to go from that when he was in his 20s to uh, early 30s, however old he was, to where he ended, you're right. I mean, he was not a guy that would wear you out. He, he was a guy that made you want to hear more. But, yes. But he, he – it was just different. So if I grew up and Vince Scully was my dad or I grew up in L.A. and I heard Vince Scully every day, my style would be – entirely different my dad had more of kind of a laid back yeah style vin in the in the with velvet gloves would grab a game by the throat and it was his game and he could weave stories in that went in and around play by play i mean it's just unbelievable how great of a wordsmith he is can't even say was and so i mean he's the best Vin, to me, is the best to ever do it. My dad was just different. And if I grew up on the East Coast, it would have been different from the other two. So it's almost like, where did you grow up? What kind of, you know, like a painter? Uh, Who did you study? And whose style did you pick up? And I happened to pick up my dad's because, A, I was sitting in the booth watching him do it with a half a headset on my ear. And... And it would have been the same, though, if, if I was just had the, the radio under my pillow. It just a different yeah. way of, of doing a game. Yeah, I always think of you and your dad. The similarity is obvious to me because I'm old enough. I heard your dad. I heard him on NFL radio. Um, I got a lot of your dad. And I, the similarity to me, similarity to me is you're, you're both natural. Um, you have very, uh, the cadence, the com- you're both comfortable. And you also are very good in big moments. Both of you can go zero to 60 in about a half a second, which, which it's very difficult. You can go from moderate to, oh my God, this is the end of the earth. Your dad could do the same thing. It, it's weird. I studied broadcasters. I had every tape of every major league baseball guy. Not much of a social life in college, but one of the things your dad, um, I think he worked with Mike Shannon, yeah. the tapes I heard. Yeah. And similarly, I, you are the broadcaster that gets along with everybody. Your dad, perhaps, it was a different time, but I do think there's comfort with you. I feel like Joe Buck is, is comfortable. I, you make me comfortable. I'm at ease. The game comes to you. You don't have to reach out to it. So that's how I view you, uh, and that's where I think you and your dad are very similar. Yeah. The game comes to you, and you just take us comfortably through it. Yeah, I'm just I, – I don't go into a game loaded for bear. I go into a game prepared, but I just want to see what happens. And I think sometimes that's taken by some as – Oh, this guy's just an asshole. This guy's a smug guy. He's lucky his dad was famous. And 
And, you know, after almost 30 years at Fox, that doesn't really make any more sense, but uh, or if it ever did. But I, I, I do look at a game probably differently than most. And I am now the old guy doing baseball. I never thought I would be that guy, but I do yearn for the game I grew up on. And, and that's not what we see now. And I hear other broadcasters talking a lot about whether it's war or launch angle or spin rate or whatever. And, and I'm, not, I'm not yet convinced that that's what a general audience wants in October on a national broadcast. If you want uh, that, they don't. Yeah, if, <laughs> if you want that, you can find that. And, and so let those people go find that. And I'm not saying that there's no value in it. It's a way to quantify who's good, who's not in some, in some realms. But I, I just try to keep it as simple and as free as I can. And then, as you say, when the big moment happens, you have to vocally get to the big moment so the people sit up a little bit and know that it's, in some cases, that, that this is the game's on the line right here. The game's not probably going to be on the line in the top of the second inning. And you can't go in and have the same acceleration every time you start talking. You have to change it up. And that's, that's the best thing I, I get out of listening to my old stuff. It's like, um, I'm working too hard here or I'm not working hard enough. I, I, you, need, I need, you need to find a balance where it's exciting, but there's still something left. It's like Verlander in the eighth inning still can hit 97 when he's been coasting at 93, 94, 95. You have to have something in reserve or when the game matters the most or the game's on the line, you got nothing left. Hey, man, it's great talking to you. It's great talking to you. I, I you know, I, Always, whether we're at a Super Bowl, a World Series, or after a World Series, I mean, I, I love your takes on things, and, and I'm a fan of what you do, and uh, so thanks for having me on. Hi, right, buddy. Go enjoy your fam. I will. They've, I've had two uh, very short people walking around outside my <laughs> office over the last whatever it's been, and uh, yeah, they're ready to start piling on dad. Folks, thanks for listening at The Volume Sports. Check us out on Twitter. Subscribe review, line up, do whatever you got to do, and listen to Joe's podcast. We'll see you later. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.